Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and open your word and to look into what you'd have us to learn from it. And we just thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. All right. Leviticus chapter 11. It's uh, a little different. It's uh, dietary laws and, and cleanliness laws. So I don't know exactly what we're going to be getting out of this, but we'll, we'll look at this. Leviticus 11 verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto all the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which you shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that shall ye eat. Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud or of them that divide the hoof as the camel, because he cheweth the cud but divides not the hoof. He is unclean unto you. And the cuny, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the hare, because he cheweth the cud, but, not, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. And the swine, that he divides the hood, but he, and be cloven-footed, but he chews not the cud, he is unclean to you. And their flesh shall ye not eat, and their carcass shall ye not touch, they are unclean to you. So we'll, look at, we'll stop there at the first eight verses. Uh, we're getting into animals that they could and could not eat. And some of these animals, there's good reasons why they're not to be eaten. Uh, some, of them, some of them we've learned very much in the recent years why, they're not, why they shouldn't be eaten. Uh, so we want to look at this. Uh, it says, first off, they have to part their hooves. And you know, if you've looked at closely at some animals, you know, like cows, they have a split, split hoof, and they, they clean between their, their hoof, and they and the cow will chew the cud. It will re regurgitate its food and chew it and chew it and chew it and, and re-swallow it. And, go in, and they actually have a separate stomach for it to go into after it's been re-chewed. Um, and so cows will sit in the field all day chewing on their food without ever going back down after they've grazed a lot. Uh, but it says you know, they, have to, they have to do both. They have to be cloven-footed and part the hoof and chew the cud. So he starts out saying that the camel is not to be eaten. And I looked and looked, and I don't know why a camel should not be eaten. Don't they have split hooks? Huh? Don't they have split hooks? Apparently not. But cloven foot is okay. They have to have a cloven foot and chew the, cl and chew the cud. Which is regurgitate their food and chew it. Uh, no, camels have a... Oh, very solid. It's multi. They have more of a padded like a foot. Or a they have more of a paw. Oh, oh. Not quite a not quite a paw. You know, in, in full. And basically, what this boils down to is, if it has a paw, it's not edible. Okay, cats, dogs, uh, rabbits, bear, anything with a paw is not edible for the Jews because they don't have a. Uh, cloven hoof to, to and most animals with a paw don't have chew the cud other than you know a handful he's going to name uh, camels I don't I was never able to find out any reason why most of these animals there's reasons why we shouldn't eat them camels were not one that I could find a reason for because they don't eat dirty food now I could see I don't know I really don't know the, the camels are very fatty you know, they're very fatty. I know that, so that could be part of it. I don't know, uh, but it is one that he specific, God specifically said not to. 
the coney, which is either a rock badger or usually a, a rabbit. I was going to say, what is a coney? Yeah. Uh, in most middle middle age writings, when you read coney, it, they'll talk about a, they went hunting and got a brace of coney, conies, and they're talking about rabbits. Uh, they don't really know for sure what this definition is, but the Old English made it coney, which would make it a rabbit. The original word talks about something they call a rock badger. I tried looking up rock badgers, and those are the, you know, the prairie dog type animals, the badger animals that live in rocks. Uh, and some of these things, some of the times when you look into these old words, it, when they're very technical words, they don't always know what they mean. Uh, it would be just like in today's day, you know, today, uh, and a matter of fact, I even heard it one time, there were advertisements about uh, a curtain company and they were talking about ballasts and valences and all these different words and this one lady from New Zealand goes, well, we don't even have those words for those kind of things and I'm thinking, I know you do, you just don't know them, <laughs> okay? Uh, and because it's a technical word. Uh, a lot of times when you're in a technical position, you have words that, that mean a lot to the individuals using them, but would mean nothing to somebody outside it. Uh, they talk about snow. For most of us, there's snow. It's, it's, it's white and it's, you know, cold. And, it's cold. and we, you know, we might recognize powdery snow as opposed to, to non-powdery snow or, or snow that sticks together and makes great snowball fighting snow or, or snowman. But apparently, I've been told that the Alaskans have some 60 words for snow because they divide snow that specifically. There are certain things you do in each of the different types of snow and don't do in certain types of snow. Uh, so to them, it's a very technical. I mean, most of us wouldn't have a clue what they were talking about. It's snow. Maybe slush they would call snow. It's, it's a, it, it, would be, it would be the dry snow, the really dry snow, the powder, the, oh, yeah. you know, it, you know, we know, if you've been around snow, you know there's different kinds of snow. We just don't usually name it in, in, our, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our vocabularies. We see that a lot of times in Psalms where it says, you know, in those headers where it says it was, snow. it was, no, well, I'm talking about that in the headers where they'll talk about a certain type of instrument. And they'll, and they'll go, well, we don't really know what that instrument is because it's, it's a technical term. And I've been around musicians, it's the same type of thing. There's all kinds of technical terms from musicians, and they'll throw words around that if you've been around them enough, you start to become aware of those words, but it doesn't mean anything sometimes. We talk about that at home as, as staccato, <laughs> and I think I know what it means, staccato, da, 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 you know, very quick. She argued with me on this. But anyway, it's, it's different terms. Yeah, there's different terms, and they mean, you know, for those who know what they mean, they mean a lot. So verse 5, the coney, because he chews the cud, but divides not his hoof, he is unclean to you. The hare, because he chews the cud, but divides not the hoof, he is unclean to you. And the one thing we know about the rabbits and those type of animals are, there's only certain times of the year where you can safely hunt and eat rabbit because of tumors and stuff that grow in them in the wrong times of the year. And I have no idea when it is that you can hunt them and when you can't hunt them, but my, my, my hunting friends definitely know when they can hunt rabbit and when they can't hunt rabbit. With an R or without an R or something. The with an R. That's oysters. <laughs> I think he's right, though. I think that's what one of the things they say, if it's got an R. I don't know whether it's it. when you can eat yeah, it. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But apparently there's tumors that grow in rabbits during certain times of the year, and they get so big that they're not worth they hunting. Ringworm. 
the and, rabbit. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's all these different things. The swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven-footed, he choose not the, the cud, and that's any of the pigs that are unedible. Now, is that still unclean? What'd you say? This gets you into a very interesting place. These animals had a reason for God to say that yeah. they're unclean. I know that if I eat too much pork, I do not feel good. Mm -hmm. okay. The only pork I like is once in a while, it's bacon or pork chops. No, see, I love pork. I really do. I love ham. I love pork chops. I love bacon. Well, the only uh, thing I say about the pig, because on that one story where when they had the demons in them, he took all the demons and put into the herd of pigs. And yeah. That's, I would think maybe that's why you don't want to eat pigs because they're unclean because all the demons went in. No. The biggest thing with pork is, and it's not as big a deal as we understand it, is trigonosis if you don't cook it right. Yeah. And the way that pigs were usually fed was all the junk and they ate garbage. And pigs, and, will, eat, pigs will eat anything you feed them, and if you don't feed them enough, they'll eat each other. Yeah, and pigs, so, like this may sound gross, but pigs will eat people. Oh, they'll eat anything and they can get. They'll eat anything that they can get their, get That's their teeth I on. I really don't eat hardly any meat anymore. So, and this is where we get into this whole question of is, are we, are we mandatory to follow these? And the answer is no. Jesus, paid, Jesus fulfilled all the law. Are there good reasons to obey some of these laws? Yes, there's still good reasons to obey some of these laws. Or make sure that you understand, understand when, when you... Friend, when, seven day Jehovah doesn't eat any meat, and she keeps telling me that I shouldn't eat meat because yeah. they're all it's unclean. Well, not all of, not all meat's unclean. God gave us plenty of meat we can eat. But it's just it's so uh, the Seven Day Adventists go back to the original of creation that we were created to be vegetarians, and we weren't we weren't told that we could eat meat until yeah. after the flood. So. And there was no fear of man until after the flood, and we we were not supposed to eat meat until we weren't given permission to eat meat until after the flood. So when yeah, I could never be a vegetarian because I love my meat. So <laughs> I I I could I could actually give up on vegetables, but not. <laughs> so the answer to this is each individual is going to have to answer this between them and God there's good reasons like the like the rabbits I mean there's certain times when you can eat them and certain times when you can't because of tumors and everything uh, we now know for pork we know to cook it to a certain temperature to kill the trigonosis so we're not worried about getting the trigonosis diseases uh, same thing with bear because bear is not is not a meat that you could eat and it carries trigonosis and other diseases and Again, if you know, as long as you don't try to eat rare bear meat, you're going to be. I don't like. I like meat well done. I don't like nothing ever rare. Yes, yeah. That's why I, I like my it, cow. I want it dead. I like my cow. I like. I, I like my meat mooing. I like my meat mooing. Yeah, not in India though. That's their sacred. So. So, this is this is where we are with the with this whole section that we're looking at. Is this is a section where it has been fulfilled? There are some reasons why some of these meats were not to be eaten. Uh, verse nine: Ye shall eat of all that are in the water, whatsoever has fins and scales in the waters, in the seas, and in the rivers. Them shall you eat. And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, and all that move in the waters, and any living thing which is in the water, which shall be shall be an abomination unto you. They shall be even as an abomination unto you, and you shall not eat of their flesh, but you shall 
have their carcasses in abomination. Whatsoever hath no fins nor scales in the waters, that shall be an abomination unto you. And this is one of those wonderful verses. Basically, you can eat any fish. I love fish. Except for a catfish, because a catfish does not have scales. Huh? And it's a bottom feeder. It really is not. It's very unhealthy to eat a catfish because it cleans up. It cleans all the garbage out of the. It has Out of the. Um, now I love catfish. So I also love shrimp and oysters and and uh, clams and unfortunately. Unfortunately, I had to get rid of all of those because of my gout. Uh, but all of those are not good. All of those type of animals are not good for you because they are bottom feeders. They, they, they are fed on all the garbage that's in the bottom of the, of the water, and they're not healthy for you. Uh, so as long as it has scales, you can eat it, which means you can't eat catfish, you can't eat shark, you can't eat uh, dolphin or, wha or, or whale because they don't have scales. My mom would always look fish, and she made always And fish is, fish is generally good for you. Unfortunately, I like all the fish I'm not allowed to eat. <laughs> so I, I like all the fish that is bad for you. Uh, but God said anything, basically anything you take out of the water was edible, other than those catfish and the shrimp and the shellfish. And, and most of that is, as, as Amy said, they're, they're bottom feeders. They're really not healthy for us anyway because they are the... They are the garbage cleaners of the ocean. You know, they eat everything off the, off the, off the ocean floor. And so God tries to protect, his, it was definitely trying to protect his people, saying these are the things you eat. And, and he knew why he was saying. He didn't go into long details of why, yeah. why they couldn't. But we look at him and say, okay, yeah, we understand this. Uh, catfish eat everything, you know, just clean, you know, basically go around cleaning the bottom of the, of the lakes, rivers, and, and oceans. Uh, sharks are pretty much the same thing. They're a predator that kills, kills and eats anything and everything. Uh, your clams, oysters, and, and stuff, they are fed because they sit there on the bottom of the ocean on rocks and get fed all the garbage. Uh, so God knew what he was doing and, and, and worked on, on teaching his people, this is what's good for you and what's not good for you. Well, you okay? Mm -hmm. no water fingers. You have too many Benadryl. But he loves shopping. Yeah, so do I, unfortunately. But he, you know, but he was raised in the coaching house. Yeah, so he didn't get to eat them. Yeah, that's what he got to do to And that's why with my gout, I can't eat that kind of stuff. It's, it's really bad for gout as well. So I've had to give up shellfish, even though I dearly love shellfish. It's not worth the pain. So, all right, verse 13. And these are they which you shall have an abomination among the fowls. They, they shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the osophage, the osphrae, the vulture, the kite after his kind, every raven after his kind, the owl, the night hawk, the, the cuckoo, the hawk after his kind, the little owl, the cormorant, and the great owl, the swan, and the pelican, and the gear eagle, and the stork, and the herring after her kind, and the lapwing, and the bat. All, so we'll stop right there. Those, all these animals that they list have one major thing in common. 
They are carrion birds. Okay? Now, eagles and, and hawks will, will eat, you know, living things. They'll kill the mice and the snakes and everything. But they will also join in on the dead. The dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you've seen the ravens all around here, they're always pecking at the, you know, the roadkill and, and uh, owls. All these things are the same. They all eat the carrion. Well, we fed them a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The rabbit hit the car. <laughs> and then the bat is not, not something you eat. I don't know if anybody eats bats. Well, they said the fruit bat's a delicacy in the natives. It probably is. And the thing is, there's lots of people who eat all these different foods. Okay, not lots of natural, uh, huh? Sometimes, not always. Well, the fruit bat is a delicacy in certain tribes, but yeah. they'll eat anything they can get their hands on. Sometimes, <laughs> well, not necessarily. If you're hungry enough. You know, huh? Bats have rabies. Some of them, they can. So you know, um, they can tell them, you know. So this is so all carrion birds were out of out of out of the running. It says all fell that creep upon going upon all four shall be an abomination to you. And this starts getting us into the insect realm as well, the flying insects. Uh, yet ye shall eat of every flying creeping thing that goeth about on all fours that have legs above their feet and leap wherewith with all upon the earth. Even these of them you shall eat, the locust after his kind, the bald locust after his kind, the beetle after his kind, the grasshopper after his kind, and all other flying, creeping things which have four feet shall be an abomination unto you. Okay, so again, we're starting to get into the different bugs and beetles. That's more for Africa. Well, bugs. if you're hungry enough, you'll eat bugs. If you get hungry enough, you would, you would, as a matter of fact, most of them don't taste bad. Uh, crunch, crunch. Yeah, they do crunch a little bit. Yeah, they, they get fried up in their little oil and they're, they're crunchy, but they don't taste bad. Would I want a steady diet of them? No. Uh, I would rather want to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, verse 24. You've got to eat them fresh. Oh, yeah, you want to eat them fresh. Yeah. And for these ye shall be unclean. Whosoever touches the carcass of them shall be unclean until evening. And whosoever beareth aught of the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be uncleaned until evening. So this is the idea that if you touch something that's dead, that's unclean, you're unclean for a period of time. And this was God's way of isolating any possible diseases. Okay, because dead animals get bloated and they get diseases and they and so God made them separate themselves and and then before they could join with everybody they had to wash their hands and their and take and, and bathe and wash their clothes before they could join everybody so this was God's way of, of saying you need to be clean because you want to remember this is a day and age and in reality it's only been in recent years in a recent uh, probably century or so that Baths have been something you did very often. Okay, uh, there used to be a statement in, in a, even in America, you took your monthly bath whether you needed it or not. Okay, and then we started moving into a weekly bath, which was done on Saturday night before you went to church. You went to church clean, and now we get to the place where we take baths every day. And if we don't take our bath every day, we 
we, 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 you, you get around that person and say they smell. Most Europeans still in, in, in Latin American don't do a daily bath. One of my dad's things about the Philippines is that they do a weekly bath and shower. He does his daily, but they, he can't get enough hot water, so he has to do a quick, quick one. But he's always commenting that you know he misses his daily, <laughs> daily bath. Uh, so this is something that is uniquely American, and there there was in the past time where you took a yearly bath, you know, to, to wash off your, off your dirt, uh, and then monthly was is the next most common period. And the Jews were basically given a, a requirement that they had to bathe fairly frequently. Not every day, but you see them when it, they had to bathe to come into the services. They had to bathe to come into the festivals. They, so at least for a Jew, they had to have at least uh, three baths every year if they're going to celebrate the three feasts that they had to come to, to meeting. Seven if they came to all the feasts. And more if they came to offer sacrifices you know, weekly and, and and daily. So uh, we just want to be able to see this. You know, God had provision. If you touch something dead, you were to clean yourself. You were to clean your clothes. You were to clean your, clean your body. And you were to get rid of any chance of passing any disease that dead animal may or may not have had. And you were unclean. You were to be separated from everybody. Which gave you, we call it isolation now. You know, if you, you know, get bit by some, a dog that they expect, you know, suspect maybe having rabies, you'll start getting your shots and they'll put you in isolation and watch you for a while. They'll do the same thing with the animal. They'll dump the animal into a cage and it's isolated from everything until, you know, for a week to see, does it have rabies? Does it show signs of rabies? God had this plan all along. He did it even with his people. All right. Verse... 25. And whosoever beareth art of the carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. The carcass of every beast which divides the hoof and is not cloven-footed nor cheweth the cud are unclean unto you. Every one that touches them shall be unclean. And whosoever goeth upon his paw, and whatsoever goeth upon its paws, among all manner of beasts that go on all four, those are unclean unto you. Whoso touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening. He that beareth the carcass of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. They are unclean unto you. So again, we have this whole idea of any, any unclean animal, if you touch it, had to be separated. And you had to give, you know, take your, cleanse yourself. You had to be ready to go. And this is God providing for his people. And he's saying, you know, if you're going to touch something unclean, you need to be separated from yourself because... That uncleanness may be able to be transported to other people. We now know about cross-contamination and that kind of and that kind of items. Uh, and we're all told, and, we're, and the Jews are going to be told the same thing: if you come across a dead animal and you don't know how it died, you're not. It's unclean. You don't. And there's a lot of places and a lot of people that find a dead animal and will just pick it up and say, "Here's dinner," you know, and you don't know what it died of. <coughs> You know, and then they get sick. Yeah. Uh, and so God says, no, you can't do that. If you don't know why it, why it died, you can't eat that, eat that animal. And he's saying you're unclean for a period of time because you may have, you know, and he doesn't explain it, but they may have a disease, so they were to be set aside 
If they got sick, then people knew that they were not to touch them because there's other laws about when people get sick that we'll get into more. So God already had this whole quarantine type mentality going on that you, have, you were unclean for a period of time and you had to prove, you know, prove that you were not going to get sick. And so God had it in there and he says, this is what you're going to do. Now he didn't explain it. He didn't explain it as a quarantine and, and all of that. But it does, it does come out because later on we're going to get into if somebody shows disease or sickness, they are to be quarantined for a while and, and put away and then checked again in seven days and see if they've gotten worse or gotten better. And, and if they've gotten worse, then they're quarantined and put out of the camp until they can come back showing that they're healthy. Or if it's still the same, but they're not fully healthy, they're given another seven days. You know, so God had this whole program in place of protecting his people. And you know, this is important for us as, as Christians to be able to say, you know, if somebody's doing something unclean, we need to avoid that person. Okay? If they're doing things that are sinful and, and, and they're trying to promote their lifestyle, then we need to say, no, you can't. I can't be around you for a period of time until you start getting, you know, right with God. And this was the whole picture that is being here. Verse 29. These also shall be unclean to you among the creeping things that creep upon the earth. The weasel, the mouse, the tortoise after his kind, the ferret, the chameleon, the lizard, the snail, the mole. These are all unclean to you among all that creep. Whatsoever, whosoever doth touch them, they shall be when they be dead shall be unclean until the evening and, and upon whatsoever any of them when they are dead doth fall it shall be unclean whether it be a vessel of wood of raiment of skin of sack whatsoever vessel it be wherein any work is done it must be put into water and it shall be unclean until the evening so it shall be cleansed we're going to stop there for a moment this is all the <laughs> been eliminated mice weasels uh, tortoises, ferrets, any of the lizards, snails, moles, uh, all these exotic dishes that people have, like when they eat escargot, when they eat their snails, that's something that God says, no, you're not allowed to eat. And that's too bad because escargot tastes good. Uh, <laughs> and I guess turtle soup is supposed to be good. I've never tried turtle soup, but uh, it's supposed to be good. And it's unclean. And it's supposed to be unclean. Uh, but you notice here that it says in verse 31, These are unclean to you among all that creep. What's, whosoever touches, touches them, when they be dead, shall be unclean until evening. So you touch any of these rodents and you'll be unclean. And now we kind of understand this one because rodents, especially the rats and mice, have fleas that carry diseases and when you when you uh pick them up the, the 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 fleas get on you and they and they can cause a disease to come to the people and this is what caused the black plague if you remember the middle middle ages the black plague that people would get hold of the the rats and the mice that would die the fleas got on them and then they got sick and died okay uh, so God says, if you're going to handle these things, you are to isolate yourself, and you're unclean for that day, and you're to clean your, clean your garments. And it says, upon whatsoever any of them, when they are dead, doth fall, it shall be unclean, whether it be a wee vessel of wood, or raiment, or skin, 
or sack, whatsoever vessel it be wherein any work is done must be put into water, and it shall be unclean until the evening, so it, so it shall be clean. And this is, and, and by today's standards, we would be totally sickened by this, but in the Middle, Middle Ages and prior to that, you had rats and stuff that ran all through your house. I mean, it was not, you know, number one, most of them were tents or they were, or, or castles or, or just mud, mud buildings. You had animals that ran through your house all the time. Uh, in our day and age, if a rat or a mouse is in your house, it's a, it's a problem and you want to get rid of it. Well, in that day, you had the mice. They would run in your cabinets and across your dishes and your pots and your pans and people would just take those things and use them after that without even thinking about it. It was something they didn't understand disease. God says that if, it, if they get on these things, you're to wash them, okay? Uh, and you were to put them in water over a period of time to get rid of anything out of them. And it says, verse 33, of every earthen vessel Whereunto they fall, whatsoever it is, shall be unclean, and you shall break it. So an earthen vessel, you have clay pot. If you put a clay pot in water, if it hasn't been fired and, and, and glazed, you know, you couldn't put it in water. Uh, you'd, you'd be making it back into clay. So if it was a clay pot, basically, they were to break it because they couldn't clean it sufficiently. Uh, of all the meat which may be eaten and that which is... With which such water cometh shall be unclean, and shall, and all drink that shall be drunk in every such vessel shall be unclean, and everything wherein any part of their carcass falls shall be unclean, whether it be in the oven or ranges for pots, and it shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and they shall be unclean unto you. Okay, so you've got this situation where if you're cooking and a rat swims through your swam through your food, you got rid of the food. It was it was unclean. If it was in a drinking drinking vessel and it was there, it was unclean. You know, now we say obviously you would get rid of this yeah. stuff. Okay. Uh, in our day and age we say, okay, yeah, that is that is just gross, it's sick. But you've got to remember in this day, there's not such a thing. They did not have running water. So they didn't want to. So you weren't going to waste your water just because an yeah. animal fell into it. You'd get the you'd <laughs> yeah. fish the animal out and you'd get rid of it. Because your 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 well was however far it was. If you were lucky, it was in your you know in your camp area. But there, even to this day, there are people that go two and three miles to go get you know five miles to go get water, and they bring their buckets of water back. And if you've gone five miles to get water and, and all of a sudden you found that a rat had swam through it or fell into it and you picked it out and got rid of it, your, your inclination is not to dump that water out and go walk five, seven miles to go get fresh water. Okay, now we read these and say, yuck, you know, who, you know, who, wouldn't, get, who wouldn't do these things? In this day and age, the rules that God is putting on them are unique. Okay, they're, they're very unique. And scientists have used God's rules to try to find out why did God tell them to do these things and have come up with the reasons why. Okay? Uh, and so we've, we've, we're learning how germs are transmitted and how diseases are transmitted. And we start realizing, wow, God knew what he was talking about when he told them this. Because it wasn't uncommon to pick up the animal, take it out of the street, dump it on the side of the, of the road, 
continue about your business, and then you'd go straight to your dinner table and eat dinner without washing your hands. Okay, that was the common practice in that day. And it was the common practice in America in the, in the early days. You, you know, you didn't go to the bathroom and wash your hands because water was precious. You didn't waste your water. Uh, now we now know that it wasn't a waste of the water to do it, but in those days, and we're reading this and it says, yeah, well, how terrible, what, how could they even do something like that? And we're, we're understanding that it was not something that was normal to them to, to wash. And again, we go back to the idea that they took a bath once a year whether they needed it or not. Uh, and that was just because you got so much grime on you, you wanted to wash some of the grime off. Uh, but you were used to people stinking. You were used to smelling smelly people. It was not, you know, matter of fact, it was considered normal. You know, the, the smell of the person told you who it was and, and what they did. And each individual had a different smell. Uh, and still do have a different smell other than the fact that now we coat it, coat it with perfume soaps and, and, and perfumes and deodorants and all these other things. But each person still today has an individualized scent. And we know that because dogs can track the scent of an individual and, and track them. Uh, all right, uh, verse 35. And everything wherein any part of their carcass follows, oops, I read that one. Verse 36. Nevertheless, a fountain or pit wherein there is water, plenty of water shall be clean, but that which touches the carcass shall be unclean. And if any part of their carcass fall upon any sowing seed which is to be sown, it shall be clean. All right, so he's now talking about a fountain. If there's a fountain and something falls into it, it's clean. Why? Because the water is moving and it's going to move the, move the disease, disease, diseased, uh, any disease out. If it's a very deep pit, this gets you more questionable, but it's still because of the quantity of the water, it is usually okay because we, we now know we, how we measure disease in water is parts per million. So if you had one little tiny diseased area, very quickly it would, it would dissipate across all the water and the parts per million would be so small that it would not be a danger. Half the time you're boiling the water in. And so you're boiling it or using it, so. When we were in California, I made a pot of coffee and the flies would land in it. They ate more of my coffee than I drank more of my coffee than I did. And I'm like, well, Have to throw them away. Yeah, no, I gave it to the rose bush. <laughs> and it grew. All right, now, so if, if any water be put upon, uh, and if any part of the carcass fall upon sowing seed which is to be sown, it is clean. And if any water be put upon the seed or any part of their carcass shall fall upon it it shall be unclean to you and this gets you into the idea if it's dry seed that you're going to plant it is clean why because the seed is dead it's not it's not absorbing it if you've ever planted seed you got these little dry particles that you know to try to put disease or anything into them would be pretty tough by accident uh, but if the seed was in and it was soft and something dead fell on that seed in water, 
it is unclean because all of a sudden now you have any disease getting into the kernel of the seed. So God knows what he's talking about. You know, we, we look at this, you know, that he knew what he was talking about when it comes to these diseases and protecting his people. Verse 39, if any beast which you may eat die, he that touches the carcass thereof shall be unclean until evening, and he that eats of the carcass of it shall wash, eateth of, that, of the carcass of it shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening, and also he also that bear the carcass of it shall, shall wash the clothes and be unclean until evening. So this is talking about actually taking, and if you butchered the animal, you were unclean until evening, okay? Uh, because, again, once you cut the skin off, you've exposed yourself to the blood, you've exposed yourself to, to any of the meat in there, it is potentially unclean. Uh, and well, they say uh, you're unclean until evening. Does that mean they have to take a bath before evening, or it just goes away or something? They, they're said here that, like in verse 40, he that eateth the carcass of it shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. So you washed your clean, you washed your clothes, and you were unclean. And basically, when you're in the middle of washing your clothes, you're going to end up washing your hands, yeah. and you know, and then you're unclean until evening. And again, that's that quarantine period. That just in case something happens to you, most diseases apparently give their signs that you know fairly quick. Now I know that there are a few few things out there that are you know longer longer gestation for the for the disease. But most of them, if you're exposed to somebody with a with a strep throat or or a cold, usually within 12 to 24 hours, you know whether you're going to get it. And that's what this whole purpose of this being separated is amounting to. Uh, we're being pushed aside, saying, "Okay, if you stay healthy, you're okay, and you can join us again." Uh, and again, you've got to remember, this is a time when there's no refrigeration, there's no keeping these animals, you know, fresh. And if you've ever watched any cowboy movies or middle, you know, um, medieval movies and, the, and you see these things, these animals hanging, you know, out in the open, dead, okay, every hour that they're up there is a chance for them to be contaminated with salmonella virus, okay? Uh, so this is what this whole process is about. You know, you can get sick very quick and easy in, a, in an environment that has no refrigeration. Uh, does not, you know, you know, did not salt their meats to, to protect them or did not dry them into jerky. Okay, so we've got all kinds of problems out there for the meat. And in one sense, in this day and age, meat was not what you ate a lot of. I mean, you did not eat a lot of meat in this day because Number one, the only meats you really wanted to eat were the ones that you grew. And the ones that you were growing were also the ones that gave you your, your uh, wool and your, you used them for transportation. You used the ox to plow your fields. So it really made not, it wasn't very economical to go kill the animals that are providing you. So your, your basic diet was your breads and your, and your vegetables. And you supplemented once or twice a, a week or, or so, you would supplement and add some lamb or, or goat or, or whatever it might be. And usually when you did that, you had a party because one family usually couldn't eat the whole, whole lamb or, or, or goat or, 
or cows, so you would end yeah, up. Yeah, so they would have to eat all of it, like you said, no refrigeration. No refrigeration, and they, and they would learn very quickly that you couldn't save the meat to the next day and stay healthy. You know, and we have refrigeration, so we don't think anything of it. You know, we just throw it in the refrigerator. We'll eat the same meat for, you know, for, you know, three or four days and not have a problem with it. In their day, that was you ate it all. You might eat some for breakfast in the morning, you know, but you learned very quickly that if you ate it, you know, 24 hours later or two days later, it, it, it had worms. It got, you know, it stank. It didn't, it didn't taste good. You got sick if you ate it. Uh, so when they would have a big meet, you know, they would have a big festival. Uh, you know, and the bigger the festival, the bigger the animal you would kill. Uh, so this is, this is where, where they're at. And, and it says, if you're going to do these things, you're going to be unclean for a period of time. Verse 41, And every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatsoever goeth upon its belly, and whatsoever goeth upon all fours, or whatsoever hath... More feet among all the creeping things that creep upon the earth. Ye shall not eat of it, for it is abomination. So that's talking about your snakes, your, your caterpillars, your centipedes, which we know have poisons and stuff in them, so they're not shouldn't be something you eat anyway. And God says you're not allowed to eat them. Uh, ye shall not make yourselves an abomin abominable with any creeping thing that creepeth, neither shall you make yourselves unclean with them, that ye should be defiled thereby. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth." For I am the Lord that brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And God's making a point. These are his people. In the, in the prophets, he declares that Israel is his wife. Okay? And he says, I'm holy. I expect Israel to be holy. And they were expected to be different from all other people. And so sometimes it's not even a matter of was there a reason for God to do this? It was just he told them to do it, so they did it. He told them that the Sabbath day was a perpetual memorial for the Jews before him, which was going to make, him diff make them different from all other people. And the Jews were criticized in many, many nationalities that they went into and places that they went to as being a very lazy people. And they were considered lazy because they said, you have to have a one-day vacation every week. You guys are lazy. Okay? Because God told them to take a day off. In a time and day when everybody worked seven days a week. Okay? And so when God says, you, this is a memorial to me, it's going to make you different. And then the people would get after them. You, you're just a bunch of lazy people. You can't work seven days a week. You have to take a, week, a day off every week. And they would be harassed because of it. And, and yet, that day of rest is so important. It's important for us to rest. The, it's called margin. We need time to just relax. Mm -hmm. And does it have to be Saturday? Well, Saturday is probably the best one because that's what God says it is. But... It, we need a time when we relax and say, I am just going to sit back and just not do any work. Just enjoy God. 
Spend time thinking about God. Spend time with God. It's one of the reasons the Christian church is picked up on Sunday. The Gentiles are picked up on Sunday. First day of the week, Jesus resurrected. Uh, Constantine declared it, declared that Sabbath worship was against the law. And the Christian church picked up Sunday worship. And See, that's what's really kind of bothering me. Some people, a lot of people say it's Saturday, and then some people say it's Sunday. And I said, well, you say it's Saturday, all the churches, other churches can't be all wrong if it's, if it's Sunday, the Sabbath day, but then... Well, the key is Sabbath is Saturday. Saturday. There's no question to that. The Sabbath is Saturday. The question is, Paul said that one man esteems one day more, more than another, and another you know, esteems another. And so the key is, are we really worshiping God? You know, and one thing about the Christian church is that they started worshiping every day of the week. Okay, when you read the, read the book of Acts, they met daily in the houses. They met every day to go over God's word. They worshiped God every day. Now, nobody does that hardly anymore. Uh, but that was their style. They met every day. So the Sabbath became very unimportant because it was not, they were meeting every day. Uh, and there was a distinction between especially the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians. And in the early part of the church, this is a huge issue with them. What do you do with, you know, because it, Christianity was called the way and it was considered a Jewish sect. And all of a sudden, you've got all these Gentiles becoming followers of the way. And it really bugged the disciples at first. Like, what do we do with all these Gentiles? They're becoming Christians. They're getting, they're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. They're, they're healing people. They're, you know, they're, they're doing all these things that show that they are are really followers of Christ, what do we do with them? Do, the, do we make them become Gentile, uh, become Jews and follow the law? And, and this is where Paul's writings really came into to press that Jesus fulfilled the law. We're under grace. And so they, and that's why the council at Antioch met and, the, and they, de, they determined that they weren't going to make Gentiles become Jews to be followers of the way. All they wanted them to do was abstain from idols and remember, remember Jerusalem, okay? Which they were more than happy to do. Most of the Gentile churches took up offerings and sent them to Jerusalem all frequently. And the reason for that was in Jerusalem, when somebody became a follower of the way, they usually were ostracized by all the other Jews. Jews, they were, if they had a business, they didn't go buy and sell from those businesses. They were just as they are today, most if you're in an Orthodox family and a Jewish family, and it's Orthodox and there, and one of their children gets saved and becomes a Christian, a follower of Yeshua Hamashiach, they will kick them out of the house and ha and hold a funeral, and that child is considered dead to them. They will not take a phone call. They will not accept a letter. They will not talk to them if they're in the same building or street because they have rejected what they believe. And that has happened in Jerusalem in the first century, that when you became a Christian, you were being ostracized. That is why they came together and held all things together in one. And they were getting offerings from the rest of the, rest of the Gentile churches around, around about to help them survive. 
and they, they're, they're, they were not living that way because God says, we want you to all be socialist and live together and own everything all together. It's because they didn't have anything. So what little they did have, they pulled together and did what, whatever they could with. And so, yes, this is, this is, this is what it's all about. It's that God is saying, you are holy, you are righteous. There's going to be a difference. We as Christians need that same attitude that we are holy, we are righteous. There should be a difference. When people look at us, they should say, this person lives differently from everybody else. If we're Christians and we live the same exact way as everybody, we watch the same TV shows, we watch the same movies, we listen to the same music, we talk just like them, we act just like them, then why in the world should they even want to follow Christ? There should be difference. Not that it's legalistic and I'm pushing it in their face, but when they're telling dirty jokes, we should not find those funny. You know, I do not find jokes about marriage funny at all. And I will turn my back and it becomes very obvious to people that I don't find them funny. Why? Because God says marriage is very sacred and I don't find any of these you know, jokes about family and jokes about marriage funny. Now I'm the first one, I can, make, I can poke fun at, at, at Christian things and everything and I do with those little cartoons I put up on Sunday morning. Some of them poke more fun at Christian things than others. But there's even some of those that I won't even consider because I look at them and say, no, that, press, that cross is just a line that I'm not. But to, to poke fun at things that go on in churches, I have no problem with that because there's lots of things that go on in churches that aren't in the Bible and deserve to be poked fun at. You know, I love the one about the pastors, you know, this last Sunday saying, wow, we've got quite a crowd here for an unabridged sermon as he's got his lunch and his, co and his soda and whatever else he had sitting there on the side. His apple. <laughs> his apple and he's ready, he's ready for a full day of... Of this message, it made it made fun of something that that is kind of a problem in churches. Either a pastor going too long, or people checking their watches because the pastor's gone too long, and and saying, "When are we? You know, when's he going to stop talking?" You know, it's. Uh, and I've found pastors who are who have a hard time with that because they're responding to their people. But you know, we need to look at this. Are we living a life that says to people? I'm somehow different. Not that I'm pushing it in their face. You know, I talked about the example when, I, when people would come up to me, how come you're always happy? How come you're not getting stressed out about all the stuff going on, in, in, in the, on, on these days and it's, Jesus is there? You know, why, don't, why aren't you going out and seeing the X-rated movies with all, the, with all your buddies on the, on the, you know, the Bachelor party night, you know, and it's like, because it's not interesting, it's not what God wants. You know, all the different things that, that we are, are we living a life that when people look at us, say, that person is different? I don't exactly know why they're different, I don't know what's fully different, but they're different. That is important for us to live this life that is sanctified, holy, that people look at us and say, I want to know more about what they're doing, I want to know more about them. I want to know more about why they don't do these things. Why do they go to church every you know, Sunday morning and Sunday night or Wednesday night? Uh, why aren't they listening to the same music? Why are, they, why are they listening to these crazy preachers on the TV and the radio? You know, whatever it might be, is there something that says this is a different way of life? We are to be salt and light to, this, to our generation. 
and salt is designed to make them thirsty. It's not that I'm sticking up, you know, sticking up and making things, you know, hard on them, but they they see something that's different, and that should draw them. It should give them a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, or at least to find out righteousness. And when I live in, in the light, that should make people be drawn to it. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. When He says that you were not to put your light under a bushel, but you put it on a hill, you know, on a candle stand at the top of a hill so that, so that it shines brightly. And if you've ever been in a really dark place and you see a light far away, you can see that light because it comes out bright in the darkness. Where to be those bright lights that say, hey, there's a light here. Come and, come and check it out. <clears throat> All right, verse 42. Whatsoever goeth upon... I read that. Verse 43. And ye shall not make yourselves abominable for any creeping thing that creeps on, neither shall ye make yourself unclean with them that you should be defiled thereby. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the beast and of the fowl and of every living creature that moves upon the water and every creature that creepeth upon the earth. To make a difference between the unclean and the clean, between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may be may not be eaten. So God is saying He's making rules, He's making things to make us holy, to make us sanctified, to make us separate. And this will also go into our daily life. We don't want to hang around unholy people and being made unclean by un, unholy people, unclean people. Any comments or thoughts? All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank for each person that's here, and we ask you to be with Loretta as she's healing up, and, and for each of the individuals that aren't here tonight. And we ask that you go with us today in your son's precious name. Amen.